In multiple episodes of Mad Unreal, my co-host, Arthur Turnbull, has made various comments alluding to his disdain for a certain Unreal trope, the multiverse. In both comics, science fiction, and fantasy novels, and on the big and small screens, the concept of the multiverse has played a reoccurring role in some great storytelling. Yet Arthur is unconvinced. So today, in addition to a Mad Thoughts segment on both Star Wars The Bad Batch and the debut episode of Loki, we're also giving you the first round of a battle that's been a long time coming. Get ready for Arthur vs. the Multiverse, Part 1. This is Mad Unreal, Episode 39. Let's go. Yeah, I feel like I'm a guest on my own show. <laughs> By design. By design, yeah. By design, it's Arthur versus the Multiverse, Part One. You know this multiverse thing. I have accepted that this is the way that uh, MCU, mm-hmm. um, DC is completely all in, but MCU is even going to move into the uh, into the multiverse. Um, I watched Loki. Um, which I like, and uh, I see that there. I think between Loki and very likely the Doctor Strange uh, next, the next Doctor Strange film, absolutely, is going to be the um, what's the what's the what's the expression? The nexus, the the the, the mm. jump off. The it's the jump off. Infusion. It's interesting that you use the term nexus, though. And we'll get to that because nexus plays a role. We've already seen some nexus stuff in uh, Wandavision, so it's interesting mm-hmm. to use that that phrase. But yeah, it is clear that the linear storytelling we got in the first, uh, you know, phase one through three of the MCU that linear storytelling is pretty much, I don't know. I don't know if it's going out the window. I don't know if it's just going to be having, you know, a little segment of linear storytelling over here and then multiverse over here. I don't mm-hmm. know. But, um, yeah, to your point, DC has already done a lot of this, um, through, you know, when you look at their television properties, especially, uh, and then, you know, what they're doing with the, uh, with the film series now in terms of all these standalone, you know, films, They've already been doing this. And in the comics, you know, DC, I think is both DC and Marvel, you know, have dabbled in the multiverse extensively throughout the decades. Um, but DC, you know, Inf- Crisis on Infinite Earths, all these things, DC seems to be more steeped in it than Marvel um, as mm-hmm. a whole. But we will get to that. What's up first, though? I mean, we, we got we got mad thoughts before we get into your issues and put you on the couch and like break you down, you know, from a psychological standpoint, your issues with the multiverse. We have Mad Thoughts segments, um, don't we? We got some things to talk about. Yeah, um, Bad Batch. The Bad Batch, mid-season. Battle I think, Scars, I think this is seven. mid-season. Yeah, I think this is mid-season. I think this season is 16 episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. So this is episode seven. So eight is technically mid-season. But yeah, we're pretty much at the mid-season of the Bad Batch, which brings us to maybe, I don't know. This may be my favorite episode of the season. How how did you feel about uh, Bad Batch Battle Scars, which was episode seven, which was incidentally written by Jennifer Corbett, who is the I believe the lead writer um, for the series. So how did you feel about it? Well, first, let me say that there, this episode is like most Madden Real episodes is going to be spoiler heavy. Yeah, good point. So Thank we're going to assume that everybody <laughs> listening has either seen 
episode seven or doesn't have a problem with us breaking this <laughs> down and spoiling everything for them. Um, I think this is the episode that we've been waiting for. I think that um, for a while, Wrecker has exhibited um, issues with his inhibitor chip trying to activate. I think we've seen it coming since episode three or four, maybe, mm-hmm. when he first started getting these he- headaches. Um, we know that crosshair is gone. Rock hair, rock crosshair is completely juiced up. <laughs> he juiced. <laughs> and right. um, I think that when I first saw Wrecker having these headaches, I said, uh-oh, you know, we're going to have a problem. Because Wrecker is the last one that you want. <laughs> that you want going rogue. In, that you want to <laughs> Yeah, that you, you want, want going to rogue. Be, you want tech to be the one that goes rogue. Like. <laughs> anybody. Any, it's like anybody but Wrecker. <laughs> I would prefer tech because it's like he's probably just going to talk a lot. I mean, they all got blasters. So, you know, once Order 66 kicks in, they all start to shoot up the place. But, yeah, Wrecker yeah. is the one you don't, the last one you want. Yeah. Um, but uh, the re- the reveal of Rex, we've, uh, he's been alluded to and uh, already in the Bad Batch. And now we see him um, and we see him um, helping the helping the crew. Remove their inhibitor chips. Um, I think uh, it gives us some, mm, I'll say clues, but that's not really the word I'm looking for. But I think it'll give us some clues about who we may see in later episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe there is a possibility that we will see Ahsoka, even though I kind of hope that we don't. Um, Only because I think that the presence of Ahsoka would be more powerful from a story standpoint than seeing her on screen uh you know uh as a character moving the story along you mean like the omnipresence like her just kind of like looming or like her uh the aura of her or just like the the possibility of her kind of like looming over things yeah yeah yeah, off, yeah off that's a, thank you yeah um but 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 you know what beginning getting her getting her in the bad batch um I am fine with it because the Bad Batch is a Clone Wars, you know, story. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is a big part. She's a huge part of that story. That's how we first we were introduced to her. Mm-hmm. And if I can just kind of dip into the multiverse aspect of this, um, I think generally speaking, Star Wars does uh, their version of a multiverse very well. And it's kind of obvious because mm-hmm. – Star Wars, as it was introduced, it takes place in the galaxy, in the universe, you know, and there are lots of galaxies Mm -hmm. and everybody knows this and nobody has an issue or needs to be introduced to this concept. Mm -hmm. So without even trying, they have the opportunity to tell multiple stories running along their own timelines Mm -hmm. that something can take place over here in this timeline that can also take place over here in this timeline and those two timelines can meet up to some kind of event. Order 66, for example, mm-hmm. the destruction of the, of the uh, Death Star, um, the, you know, the rise of Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can have, you know, a Rogue One that can take place in the past, even though these other things we know that's going on, you right. know, right. Uh, in the Clone Wars are running in tandem. But right. you, They give you, you know, multiple Jen, points of view. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but Omega isn't running around in the in the Rogue One film mm-hmm. because she's she's over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and in contrast, the 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 
the DCEU, the, the DC expanded universe, what they're trying to do, which I also think is completely their attempt in trying to find their own, you know, secret sauce mm-hmm. that MCU Marvel has been able to do with, with, uh, with their comics, um, you know, being on screen, um, is sort of just, okay, we're going to do, you know, a Joker film, you know, with Joaquin and later on we'll do a Batman film that will tie into this other film and maybe we can kind of, you know, center it all in on the flash and, you know, just have all that work out because our whole original thing of doing the justice league and having wonder woman and aquaman and superman and mm-hmm. you know and ben affleck batman work out well they didn't go well so let's just sort of bolt on a multiverse over here mm-hmm. that does exist in dc comics and has existed um in parts in the dc comics and it has been centered on the flash but you know i know we'll kind of get a little bit more into that mm-hmm. Um, so, so, but with Star Wars, what you're saying is that they've done, I mean, cause with Star Wars, it's been a linear thing, but just from all these different points of view and all these different events happening at the same time, I, as far as just, just to comment very quickly on what you said about Ahsoka and, and, you know, tying, tying into that, I kind of don't want her to show up this season. Um, mm, I, I mm-hmm, do, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that the bad batch is going to continue into a, another season after this. So I would want her to show up then because she is, you know, I know that the Ahsoka novel, um, details what's going on now with her, but they've already shown that they can kind of, you know, mix it up and they may not, you know, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, 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 Dave Filoni or the Filoni verse as it's called, you know, may not adhere a thousand percent to what happens in the novels or in the comics. You know, they changed a little bit about what, ha- what happened with, um, Kanan, um, you know, in, in the episode one of the bad batch, uh, how he, you know, when order 66 went down, it's a little bit different in the bad batch than it is in the comics. So they've already shown mm-hmm. that they'll, they'll mix that when necessary. So, I, you know, we do know where Ahsoka is at this point, according to canon, because of the Ahsoka right. novel, but right. that can change a little bit. And I, you know, to bring it back to your original point, I do think it's her, you know, seeing Rex in this episode and Battle Scars and knowing that he was the one that the Martez sisters were talking to in the previous episode, at the mm-hmm. end of the previous episode, it makes a thousand, it makes, it makes sense that it was Ahsoka who connected, you know, Rex and the Martez, you know, she's the common link. So it also makes sense that when at the end of this episode of battle scars, when we see Rex talking on his comm link, saying something, he's going to rendezvous with someone. It wouldn't surprise me if that's Ahsoka, you know? Um, Mm, mm -hmm. so, but, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but all all that, all that said, I think this episode, like you said, it did tie. What I liked about it is it, it took a lot of loose threads, you know, that we were kind of dealing with in, 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 in terms of, uh, the chip records chip, and instead of like, you know, playing it out over multiple episodes, it just dealt with everything in this one 27 minute episode. Mm-hmm. And some of it was kind of what we expected, but I don't know. It was just the emotional weight of how they played it out. I found it very satisfying, um, even though some of it played out exactly the way I expected it to play out. Um, the emotion of the storytelling, I think, was very, very well crafted and you know Rex showing up even from the moment when Rex shows up and he finds out that their their inhibitor chips chips are still in you know Hunter yeah. Tech and Wrecker yeah. his first act is to put his hand on his blaster 
you know, right. he's he, not playing. Right. He's, 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 he's not playing with this. He's lived through the horror of dealing with that. And it struck me then that for everyone, whether it's um, the Bad Batch mm-hmm. or even Omega, and Omega seems to know more about the inhibitor ships than anyone. Because remember, she was the one that said, you know, don't blame Crosshair. It's not his fault. You know, she said that right. early on. But even for her, it struck me that unless you've had one of those things go off inside your head, you have no idea how powerful it is. You know what I'm saying? Because I think for Tech and uh, Hunter and Wrecker, they kind of felt like, well, you know, you can fight it off. You know what I'm saying? Because even Wrecker says later, I tried to fight as hard as I could. It, it mm-hmm. gave me the sense that they don't understand. Like when that thing and, and Rex tells them this is not something you can fight off. Trust me, you won't be able to when it when right. when it's when it activates. That's it. You know, and he, he, you know, him telling them that was very powerful. And of course, he's reliving what happened to him in the final episode of the Clone Wars season seven. Mm-hmm. He's reliving what happened to him and he's reliving, um, you know, having to bury, you know, um, heavy. It was a heavy. No, it wasn't heavy. Um, uh, Jesse he had to bury Jesse and all the other. Uh, clones, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. All his mm-hmm. brothers, you know, had to bury him. Um, it's just it's, it's a nightmare that you can tell he's reliving over and over again. So as soon as he finds out those chips are still in the bad batch's heads, he's he puts his hand on his blaster and he's like, you have to get those chips out. You don't understand what you're dealing with because mm-hmm. tech is like, mm-hmm. oh, we're deviant. You know, we, you know, we, we it doesn't affect us. You know, and he's like, no, motherfucker, you don't you don't understand. That's what I don't. Yeah, that's <laughs> the kind of disconnect. I, I, and even now, even afterwards, I still kind of feel that Hunter in particular, um, I think he's going to want to go after crosshair that now that they know how to remove this inhibitor chip that they can get to crosshair. And I still think that they, they believe that somehow some way they can still connect with crosshair enough that, you know, crosshair will, it's almost like, you know, it's crosshair. We've, you know, we've been through all this, that, and the other, but, but order 66 and the inhibitor chip, it cuts through all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, because with tech saying, oh, well, you know, we're we're not susceptible to this. Well, he said, except, where's Crosshair? Yeah, he was like, you know what I'm like, saying? Like, where's like, your guy? Crosshair. And it's like, why do you think that? You know, because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of a up until I, I do like the fact that they acknowledge like when Wrecker, when they're at the bar drinking in uh, this episode in Battle Scars and mm-hmm. Wrecker is like, oh, I got another headache. And they're like, you know, again, and like, you know, tech is like, you know. I don't have any more med patches and echo is like, yeah, you keep getting these headaches more and more frequently. So it, it mm-hmm. acknowledges the fact that they are, you know, they recognize that he keeps having these headaches, but uh, to your point, it's like tech is like, Oh, well we don't have to worry about those. Cause you know, we're deviant except for, yeah. except for yeah. crosshair. And it's like, right. Why it's like, it's think? any other possibility except this <laughs> right. inhibitor chip, even though crosshair as if it was some sort of individualized thing. Right. And they don't know to, to my knowledge, they don't know that crosshairs chip was enhanced. You know, they, because remember, he, yeah, was, they don't he, know. Was, he was he was right. he was kind of like glitching out, you know, in the beginning of episode one because he shot at uh, Kanan. You know, he tried to kill mm-hmm. Kanan. Mm-hmm. And but by mid mid, you know, the midpoint of that episode, he's constantly questioning, um, you know, Hunter throughout the episode mm-hmm. to the point where Hunter is like, what is wrong with you? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, why are you bitching about us? You know, not following orders. That's all we ever do. You know, and even mm-hmm. tech and record like we know, you know, it's never bothered you before. And then they start to learn about the inhibitor chip. Omega schools them. It's like, you know, it's the inhibitor chip. But to my knowledge, they don't know that, you know, um, 
Nala say Tarkin, Nala say, and Mama. Every time they say those um, Kaminoans names, man, I just hear Michael Jackson in my head. Mama say, Mama say, Mama. (laughs) (laughs) They say Nala say. I just like I just hear you know um, what's call it in my head. But anyway, um, yeah. So when they don't know that they that they and took you know uh, when they took uh, Crosshair away that they put them in there and you know enhanced this chip. They don't know Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So that you know that's one of the things that's you know kind of that was hanging out there that was kind of bothering me. The other thing noticed just really quickly is one of the questions I feel like they need to answer very quickly. And something I think they should have asked immediately when, um, Phoenix Shan goes after Omega and at the end of the episode, they're like, okay, you know, this is a serious bounty hunter that's after Omega. The obvious mm-hmm. question would be like, why? You know, and to ask, mm-hmm. you know, talk to each other, you know, Echo might say it or technically, why do you think, you know, they're after her? What would they want with her? Or to mm-hmm. ask Omega, like, why do you think, you know, they want you back so badly? Who's, who is this? Is it the comedians who hired finishing? Why would somebody want you? I feel mm-hmm. like that's the next question I have to ask. And then to your point, I do think that they're going to be like, you know what? Now that we know how to get these chips, Hunter has been feeling guilty about leaving, um, crosshair back behind you right. know and he even says it in episode four i think um you know we don't leave our own behind and i feel bad you know I'm, i feel ashamed of that so i do think that they're going to eventually go back on like a kidnap mission and just like snatch crosshair and uh take his chip out and then crosshair is going to have to deal with all the, the guilt of everything he's done you know he's been out mm-hmm. murdering people you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like left and right probably for the last four or five episodes and that's oh that's and that's something else I want to to bring up to you is that a lot of time has passed because at the beginning of Battle Scars it's alluded to the fact that they've been on a lot of missions for um, Carla from Cheers uh, Sid mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Rhea Perlman's character mm-hmm. um, they've been on a lot of missions for her so I think it's something like twenty missions so the months and months and months have passed since you know Order sixty six. Um, so that's, that's interesting as well. So who knows what Crosshair has been doing, man? He's, you know, if, if, if that, if it's any indication, um, what we saw in that one episode is any, if that's any indication where he was, you know, just basically assassinating people, um, civilians, just like murdering civilians, he's going to have a lot to deal with when they, when they see him again. And that's going to be, that's going to be very interesting. I really believe in, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we see. I uh, hate to use the word hope when we're dealing with, you know, assassinating civilians and all that. <laughs> but I, I believe that that Crosshair is the origin of the Death Troopers. Mm. Yeah, uh, I've the seen special that theory, squad yeah. all in black mm. that roll up. Krennic's people. One with Krennic. Yeah, yeah. That's a Man, good. I hope we see Krennic. That's a, Woo! You know what? That's, for one, that's a great scene, the beginning of Rogue One. That's a beautiful, beautifully shot, beautiful acted. Everything is great about that scene. But I'm with you. I want to see Krennic. And I, I think. I think we I think it's a strong possibility we will because it seems like the emperor, the whole Death Star thing, I think um, I'm trying to remember a catalyst in the book um, with um, uh, Galen when that when he started on that path. And then, you know, the mm-hmm. emperor learned about the empire learned about it and like, you know, basically jacked him and jacked his research, you know, forced him to start working on the Death Star. I think that happens a few years after a year, maybe two years after um, the end of the Clone Wars. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but it wouldn't surprise me if we get a young Krennic and kind of start seeing his, yeah, his ascension towards middle management. And then maybe mm-hmm. some tension between him and Tarkin, you know, um, mm-hmm. I would love to see them 
be, you know, because they got that other guy, I forgot his name, uh, Rampart. You know, they introduced him a couple episodes ago. He wor- he was working with Tarkin. Right. Uh, we haven't seen him since, but I guess he's going to be involved as well. But I'd rather see Krennic and Tarkin mm-hmm. be like the big bads, mm-hmm. you know, of of, of, uh, of the Bad Batch. Because um, at some point you got to think, and this is, I guess, you know, we want to talk about how we feel about where the show is at mid-season, which I guess is what we're doing. And we can kind of predict about where we think the show is going to go. But I I kind of, or I just ask you, how do you feel about, because at this point, the Bad Batch is basically, are basically mercenaries, you know, working for Sid. But right. it's very obvious that Hunter in particular is not happy about this. Um, they're not getting enough money. Um, mm-hmm. Hilarious scene in Battle Scars, by the way, where she, at the end, you know, she's listing off all the money that they owe her, all the expenses that they've incurred. And Sid is like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 that amount of credits for Mantel Mix. And you're like, what the fuck is Mantel Mix? And Hunter is like, what is that? And then meanwhile, <laughs> Omega and Wrecker are out, you know, getting their grub on after the mission. And dude is like, you know, you owe me X amount. He's like, I'll just put it on Sid. That was hilarious. That was a mm-hmm. hilarious scene. Um, but Hunter is definitely not happy about this arrangement. So, and I keep thinking about what um, Rafa told him. Rafa Martez told him mm-hmm. um, that, you know, sooner or later, we all have to pick a side. You know, you have to choose a side. And, you know, in this episode, Rex tells him, you know, we could, you know, the the rebellion or the republic, he says, you know, still out there and we could use could your use help. You. Yeah. yeah. So uh, how do you think, do you think at some point in this season, if, is it going to be this season or next season, they're going to make that decision and, you know, join some type of rebellion or what are they going to do? Is, are they going to continue being mercenaries? What do you think? I think that by that the end of the season, maybe even uh, staging it as a cliffhanger, um, that they're going to the squad itself is going to be faced with their their half. They will have to choose a side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if if um, if um, Fennec going after Amiga is the catalyst for this, but Tarkin wants the entire squad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, he's got crosshair, but he knows that each one of the remaining Bad Batch, particularly Hunter, uh, Tech and Wrecker, uh, have those special enhanced qualities Mm -hmm. that so if he can get the whole package, he would want the whole package. Mm -hmm. And maybe Omega, if you pull her out of it, like if you get Omega, they're going to go after wherever they need to go to find Omega, Mm -hmm. which could lead them right back to Tarkin. You know, so the storyline could possibly go that way. Um, but I do think that by season's end, we're going to have the Bad Batch uh, needing to make this this choice to either go one way or the other. And it could very well be Omega in the balance or uh, even Crosshair mm, mm. in the balance. That's interesting. I, I, I tend to agree with you. And I think also it may come down to whatever the Kaminoans are planning or holding back or what, cause you know, it seems like they, like the empire knows nothing about what Omega is. You know, we still don't know, you know, is she force sensitive? Mm-hmm. Is she mm-hmm. an amalgamation of all the, you know, other, um, bad batches abilities? I don't, you know, we don't know, but yeah. there seems to be something special about her and the Kaminoans seem to have like, she's, she's their ace, you know, ace in their back pocket. Um, and they're going to play mm-hmm. that card when they need to, when it, but they got to get her back first. But then also I'm thinking about the, the quote unquote, the possibility of a clone uprising, you know, are the clones themselves going to be mass, um, 
re you know re-engineered where the inhibitor chips can be turned off and then you have clones uh, you know going against you know stormtroopers you know what I'm saying is that going to happen you know which i mm-hmm. believe happened in the in the extended universe before everything be- became canon so i you know, there's a lot of different possibilities but i do think i like the idea like you said of maybe a cliffhanger at the end of the season or maybe this season being about them instead of this huge you know um, Camino versus Empire or clones versus stormtroopers. Instead of that big story happening this season, maybe this season is really the next, like, you know, the last four or five episodes are about them getting crosshair back. Like, you know, we got to mm-hmm. go back for our brother and then how all that plays out. Um, so yeah, I, I, I personally, I'm satisfied where it's at. I think there was maybe, so we've had seven episodes. There was maybe two episodes out of the seven that I was like, okay, those were cool, but I really wasn't as engaged. I wasn't mm-hmm. other ones. I do think though, um, out of those, out of the seven, five have been really, really good and battle scars. I don't know. I have to think about it, but it may be my favorite episode. Um, the animation, we talked about it, you and I a minute, you know, before the show started, the animation is just gorgeous. Um, the water, you know what I'm saying? Water is like one of the hardest things mm-hmm. to achieve in animation. And as you were watching that thing come out of the water, I think it's the same creature. I think it confirmed that was, uh, went after Luke and, uh, the, the OG star Wars in episode four. Um, and the trash compactor, when you see that thing come out of the water and grab wreck, I mean, the water looked real. Like it looked like I was yeah. like, wait a minute, did they somehow put the animation in the real water? I don't know, but the animation has been gorgeous. Um, you know, you see all those, those and ships, the mist and the, the fog, the, the, mist, the, the fog. It was very, very atmospheric, you know, they're, they're looking at it. And then from a storytelling standpoint, it's very powerful to see the clones, you know, particularly Rex, you know, you know, I love Rex rex standing there looking at essentially the end of the war the end of the republic you know all those those jedi the, i forgot what they're called the uh the type of cruisers they're called um or the, the type of ships um that they're called ventilators venter ventilators i don't know what the other called anyway <laughs> watching all you know looking at the wreckage of all that and just being like okay all those years he fought you know what i'm saying he's a generation one as as omega yeah. points out he's been there since geonosis so all those years he fought everything he fought for. And it's just like this junkyard and he's standing there looking at, it, it was a gorgeous scene um, visually. And, but then from a narrative standpoint, it was very, very powerful. And then Rex looking at his helmet at the end of the episode, you know, and all the scars, the battle scars on his helmet. Right. Um, I don't know, man, they're doing it. If I, if I had one complaint, Arthur, I would say I would want longer episodes. Like all these episodes have been around 20 weeks, obviously with the exception of the first one, but all these episodes have been around 24, between 24 and 27 minutes. I want like a 40 minute episode, like a Mandalorian type episode, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. so I feel like, you know, cause like, for instance, in this episode, I wanted a conversation between Rex and Echo, you know, Echo is, Echo is the one, remember he spent like three, four episodes in season seven of the Clone Wars risking everything to go after right. Echo. You know what I'm saying? It was right. like, he right. was like going against orders. He was, you know, uh, messing mm-hmm. up, uh, Anakin and, uh, Pad, Padme's time together. You know what I'm saying? He was like, <laughs> tell with everything. We need to go after my boy, you know? And so I wanted to see a, a conversation, you know, between them because they hadn't seen each other in a while, I think since the end of the war. Um, so that I kind of want longer episodes, but other than that, I'm, I'm very happy with, um, what they're doing and, and where it's going. All right. You want to talk about Loki? Let us jump into Mad Thoughts on Loki. Loki episode one, um, season one, following what we've got WandaVision and we had Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So this is the third MCU um, Disney Plus show to premiere. So let me ask you, 
what were your thoughts? How did you feel, yay or nay, on the Yoki, the Yoki, the Loki premiere? Well, I'm a yay. I think this is the buddy, buddy cop flick that uh, I thought that we would get for Falcon and Winter Soldier that I did not want, but I embrace it here. Really, with Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Mm, okay, that's interesting. And I don't, I don't mind that and i'm not sure yet why i don't mind it i think right away it's because owen wilson is to me is a little more you know predisposed in terms of his style of comedy mm. um to support you know kind of a a buddy flick you know mm. where um loki at any time can just go fly right off the handle mm. and um you know owen mobius is his character's name mm. is responsible for kind of keeping him in line and not letting him too far outside the uh, proverbial, you know, coloring book lines. Um, I think that it has a good feel of the Thor films without um, trying to be a Thor movie, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or spinoff in that way. Um, I do like, how it ties to the Avengers film where Loki does pick up the Tesseract and disappears in Endgame um, when the Avengers travel back in time. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was interesting to acquire to the, That was interesting because I feel like at that point, if I would have like stopped a hundred, you know, interviewed a hundred MCU fans before this premiere to say, "How do you think the Loki show is going to premiere? Like, what's going to be the first scene?" Yeah. That was the most obvious choice. I was actually like, wow, it really started where exactly where I thought they were going to start, but it was handled well though. Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I thought so. I think it was, I think it was the obvious choice mm-hmm. um, to, uh, you know, to orientate viewers uh, to, you know, the, the overarching narrative and yep. Look, he picked up the Tesseract. He disappeared. Where did he, where did he go? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, um, I remember watching Endgame in real time thinking, okay, well, here's places that he couldn't go because we, you know, we know what happens when he gets back to Asgard. We know what happens to his mother with the elves in the dark world. You just like, there's certain things we know. We know, we know that going based down the on line that. to Loki, mm-hmm. but if Loki disappears now, what exactly? Now what? We, we know that on the timeline, that's what they call the sacred timeline. But now that he's mm-hmm. disappeared, all that's up in the air. Like, is that, is yeah. that timeline going to play out? You know, who knows? Right. right. We'll get into that on the multiverse in a minute. <laughs> But yeah, so, so what, okay. So what that, that obviously the first scene is kind of what you expected as well. What surprised you about the up though? Was it that, you know, it had a buddy cop or a buddy, buddy cop potential? Is that what surprised you? Um, did anything like jump out and like really surprise you about this episode? The thing that actually did surprise me was the scene where, uh, Loki, he's been, um, he's been arrested, um, by the TVA, the time variance authority to which Mobius is maybe he's middle management or upper middle management or, you know, he's definitely special ops because he goes after right. individuals who uh, have deviated from the sacred timeline and are wreaking a whole heck, whole lot of havoc. Um, we even got a glimpse of the sacred timeline in Endgame where the ancient one, played by Tilda Swinson is having a conversation with Bruce Banner and kind of explains to him why she can't just give him the time stone Mm -hmm. because this is what would happen if the time split. 
Right. Um, we get a better explanation of that in the first episode of Loki. Uh, as we, with Loki, watch the explanation of the sacred timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so what surprised me, when Loki trying to escape the TVA discovers that there, you know, the basic, you know, uh, secretary or whatever, <laughs> Casey. he got like infinity, he got a gang of <laughs> infinity stones in his drawer. In his and he's drawer, like, oh, right. yeah, we, a lot of people use those for paperweights. <laughs> right. So it's like everybody's got infinity stones. But infinity stones, are supposed that's supposed to be the, basically when the universe was created, infinity stones came out. Right. You know, like, so, so, so Loki really had his mind blown yeah, that and realized him, yeah. that. Stopped him in his tracks. Yeah. As guardians, they not, they're not at the top of the food chain. No, it's like no one that he knew no was one at is. the top of the food chain. It's like these cats, <laughs> like these, these people. It's like they right. got, if you got infinity stones in your drawer next to the paper clips, then you are, you at the top of the food chain. Cause these, yeah. and he tries to use the Tesseract, you know, the, the infinity stone that he has, he tries to use it several times. Nothing happened. You know, it's like, the rules don't apply in wherever the TVA is located at. It's like none of this stuff matters except for what the technology that we have, you know, other than that, all these other things. And you saw there was multiple affinity stones. So it was like, they come from different timelines, you know what I'm saying? That's right. He's like, we get a lot of these, you know? So it's like, they just come in, in, you know, we throw them around, you know, put them in the drawer, paperweights, whatever. It's like wow, and that that was a good moment because it definitely stopped Loki. Like he really realized the magnitude of what he's dealing with. You know, what I'm saying it was like, okay, this is I've got to like basically recalibrate everything I thought. It's like let me forget everything I know, I think I know, and here comes some new knowledge, and I have to accept this in order to to wrap my mind around you know what I'm going to do next. It was a, that was that was a really good moment. What okay, so where do you you think the show is going in in the direction of Buddy Cop? Like you think. Do you think it's, it's not? It, it clearly isn't going to be episodic, though, right? It's not like they're going to solve a crime or something every every. Episode. No, I don't think so. Because I think, I mean, even with this, it's like six six episodes. Yeah, I think it's total? six episodes, and they got a clear mission. You know, they have to stop this other this this variant um, Loki, um, who, you know, online because in the comics, just very quickly in the comics, Loki takes on many shapes. You know, he's been everything from a teenage kid to a woman you know and mm-hmm. he can and matter of fact on one of the uh on screen crush and uh they they showed one of the um one of the easter eggs they showed was uh loki's you know informational card when he's you know getting checked into the tva mm-hmm. they, zo- they zoomed in on it and his gender i think it's a sex or it says sex or gender i think it's sex is shown as fluid because mm, he's mm-hmm. been all these different things, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the, in the combo, he's been all these different things. So a lot of people online are speculating that the variant that's out there, you know, tearing shit up and killing the Minutemen, um, is female Loki, you know, is the female version of Loki. Um, so that, I think that's, you know, obviously that's the clear mission that's going to be laid out between him for him and Mobius. But I didn't even think about it until you said buddy cow. I didn't think about him and Mobius, like basically, going out together and like, you know, going, you know, trying to find this very, it just, that didn't even occur to me. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and I just think that's a, it's going to be a byproduct of, um, the characters themselves, even the actors in terms of their style, mm. Hiddleston and, yeah, good chemistry. And Wilson. They? Yeah. Good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, you know what, though, man, I, I gotta say what surprised me the most though, was that, 
because all the and we're going to get into it of course when we talk about arthur versus the multiverse but all the multiverse timeline stuff i thought it was it was well handled especially in the little video he watched um you know while standing in line the welcome video right yeah, the welcome <laughs> video he's basically at the dmv you know trying to get his, his driver's license and it's like you know you stand in line there's a video playing whatever um the you know and the analog nature of everything i thought the analog nature of everything was cool but i feel like we've already seen that like in the matrix and in other television mm-hmm. shows and movies where it's like these mm-hmm. high high concept science fiction things are merged um with very analog you know tactile things which is yeah like the reel-to-reel tape machine and the right which is and, it's, it's cool I, I wasn't hating on anything but i'm like you know i've seen that before but it was it was still very well um, executed. And in fact, I think the end credits, um, where you get the montage of all those, you know, images, I think was handled best there because there's it just graphically, man, it was just gorgeous. Some of the things that they, they were able mm-hmm. to achieve mm-hmm. with the analog, you know, merged with the, uh, the high, the high concepts and hot science, science fiction things. Um, but no, like I was saying, those things I think were handled very well in the episode, but really surprised me was the emotion. And at the end of the mm-hmm. episode, when Loki is watching uh, Frig- Frigga, 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 Frigga. Yeah, his, his mother, mother mm-hmm. die, and he goes back. You know, he already he'd already seen it. You know, Mobius had already shown it to him, but he goes back once he kind of semi escapes. He goes back and watches it again, and then he watches. You know, he's watching him and Thor have moments. He he wells up. You know, he gets emotional. Yeah. He, he tears up, and then he has that con- moment of confession with Mobius, where he's just like. I kill, I don't enjoy hurting people, but I do it because I'm weak and it's a way to mm-hmm. instill, it's a way to deal with my own weakness, you know, and to, to put on a facade. And create, a, create an illusion of power. Exactly. And that, I was, that surprised me. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, especially when so much of the first like 40 minutes of the episode was mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. not jokey, but kind of like played slightly for laughs and for surprise and kind of whatever. Um, that surprised me at the end when we really got a raw moment with Loki and kind of broke him down, you know, kind of just like stripped away a lot of his, his facade. Um, Mm. and that was that, I thought that was pretty powerful, particularly for, particularly for Loki as a character, you know, and then also the way, but just the way Tom Hiddleston, Tom Hiddleston's Loki played it, you know, um, cause this isn't the Loki that we see in Ragnarok, you know, this is the Loki from right. the first Avengers, you know, movie where right. he was, he killed Coulson. He took homeboy's eye out. You know what I'm saying? He was just murdering people mm-hmm. left and right. Um, so th- I, that, that kind of surprised me, but I enjoyed it. And it actually made the episode much better to me. Um, cause until that moment I was like, okay, this is cool. But then at that last few scenes, I was like, this is really good. You know? So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I also thought Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode was great. And then I think I kind of, you know, the rest of that series didn't, to me, didn't really live up to those first couple episodes. So hopefully um, this, this Loki uh, will, will pay off in a way that Falcon and Winter Soldier, and to be honest, even WandaVision didn't pay off as well to me at the end. So hopefully this will do it. Um, but we'll, we'll come back to this, you know, as more, like you said, mm-hmm. I think it's only six episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll come back to it. Well, let me just say, I, I think that I think that, uh, you know, for better or worse, and I think better mm-hmm. that this Loki series will be able to do something different than one division and Falcon and Winter Soldier, because it's it's not so tightly tied to the films themselves mm-hmm. because Loki 
as we see, disappears mm-hmm. and basically just branches the timeline. Right. So he has more you leeway know. to create more things. Right. So so they can work within a construct. The writers can work within a construct of storyline, mm-hmm. but they don't have to. It's you know, it, it, it's it's not like what we what we have to experience with Star Wars, where certain things, any like anything can happen. We, but we've got to get to this endpoint mm-hmm. because it needs to connect to other story. Loki, I don't believe needs to do that. It could, but it doesn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, th- I think that that's that's definitely going to be a strength moving forward. But to just to put on my Arthur hat for a minute, this is something that you always, you bring up a lot is that, is there going to be, it has that freedom now, is it going to be able to maintain that freedom or is it going to have to set up what happens next in the MCU? You know what I'm saying? Like you, well, you bring that up a lot and I'm, I kind of, is the onus going to put on Loki to set up? Um, is there going to be an onus put on Loki to help set up, you know, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness? Maybe, it, you know what, maybe it's going to set up Love and Thunder, the next Thor movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because production for Loki started presumably before production of Love and Thunder or, mm-hmm. or, or even if they ran in tandem, mm-hmm. they knew you know, we're not dealing, we're first. not dealing with films that either already have existed that, that like that already have existed, mm-hmm. you know, um, like something like, you know, a Rogue One or a Bad Batch, right? We're dealing with films that now are part of a whole new phase. Right. I'm going to be rolling out over the next few years. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, and we can talk about this on a different, on another episode, but just very quickly, that to me is both, it kind of excites me and it kind of doesn't from the sense of they're setting up very cosmic, much bigger cosmic like problems and narratives as opposed to the first 10 years of the MCU where even Iron Man or the first, you know, Captain America's or um, even even though Thor was cosmic, it just felt a little bit more grounded. You know, the, mm-hmm. the stakes were a little bit more grounded. And then when we got towards Endgame, of course, everything got bigger and, you know, more universe impact, you know, impacting the universe or impacting the galaxy. But right. here it feels like, man, we are getting very cosmic and big, big scope, you know, what I'm saying from day one like if you look at wanda Mm -hmm. the reason i mentioned you earlier the whole nexus thing wanda is is what's termed as a nexus being meaning she she remains the the same you know throughout any of the multiverse any of the timelines she can be she's the same uh, which makes her very unique so we saw a little bit of that in her series we're seeing you know it being set up um here in in the loki thing not so much in Mm -hmm. falcon and winter soldier Mm -hmm. of course but I still I wonder, man, is this going to be it? And then also, Arthur, I saw I don't know if you've seen it. I saw the Eternals um, trailer. I don't know if you saw the the first that trailer. I haven't seen. I, I no. think it dropped last week, the week before it. It was cool, but it really didn't do anything for me. Maybe we'll break it down mm-hmm. on another episode, but it didn't. I'm sure there'll be another trailer out probably within another month. Um, it really didn't do too much. It looked like it looked like a pretty much, a, you know, a lot of other science fiction movies or science fiction mm-hmm. fantasy um, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit apprehensive about what they're doing, but I'm also like, I saw this episode of Loki and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So, you know, I'm on the fence with it, but we'll come back to it obviously, All of right. course. But now, now is the moment everybody's been waiting for. <laughs> this is round one hmm. of Arthur versus the multiverse. As we said in the cold open, this has been a long time coming. Um, we have these conversations about the MCU, DCEU, 
whatever, whatever. And the multiverse, you know, has played such a major role and kind of like dipped in and out of all this storytelling. Um, when we talk about those things, there's been moments in past episodes and in a lot of private conversations between you and I or text message or whatever, where you express your, is disdain the right word? I think disdain is the right word. I don't think that's too strong. I think it is a disdain. Um, you can correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, you correct me in a minute, but I think it yeah, is I'm a disdain. Look up the definition to make, sure. <laughs> to make sure, but I think it is the disdain for this whole multiverse concept. You've expressed that before. So what we wanted to do was basically yeah, disdain's good. Disdain's good. Okay. All right. We got to sign off on disdain. Good. Um, what we wanted to do is basically pitch you against the multiverse. And obviously I'm being theatrical about it. Um, but I wanted to just kind of like put this, you know, let's just dive into this instead of talking around it. Let's really get into put, well, let, let's put Arthur on the psychological couch and really dive in his mind and figure out what the fuck did the multiverse bully him as a child, as a child. I don't know. We're going to find out and, <laughs> and really get down to get down to this. So Arthur, are you ready for round one of you versus the multiverse? Yes, that I am. And obviously we're talking about this, you know, not only because of the things that Arthur said in the past, but because like we just mentioned a while ago or a minute ago, the whole premise of Loki, you know, seems to be steeped in this idea of the multiverse. They go through great, you know, detail of talking about it in the first episode of Loki. Um, so it was just kind of like a nice little gateway for us to kind of to segue into this this um, this thing we've been talking about for a while. This multi this Arthur versus the multiverse thing. So let me let's dive into it this way. Um, let me ask you, first of all, Arthur, what are the origins of your dislike of this whole multi multiverse concept? Are, are there origins? Because you can you go back? Does it go back to like? A couple of years ago, or are we talking like preschool? You know, you were talking no, to another no, preschool. Just a few like, years. I don't like this multiverse shit. <laughs> just a few years. Just a few years. Um, okay. Yeah. Take I mean, back. let me say that, the, you know, it's really DC Comics' fault. Mm. The uh, the Flash series starring Grant Gustin uh, as Barry Allen, mm -hmm. um, you know, it got into, in season two, it got into uh, the concept of Earth 2. And this antagonist who is called Zoom or Reverse Flash. Now, this this appears in the Flash comics going all the way back to the 1960s, where you have this speedster, which is something that the Flash is, is, is known as a speedster. Mm -hmm. You have a speedster on another Earth in another timeline of this multiverse mm -hmm. called Zoom, who has the ability of traversing through various multiverses and even in... The CW network series at a certain point, you know, there's 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 a character that comes from like Earth 17 or Earth 19 or something like that and has a has a, you know, a romantic relationship with someone on Barry Allen's team. There's literally a Cisco. character called Zoom. Yes. <laughs> also has the ability Zoom. to hold what, how many people on a meeting call, like 50 or 60 people on one meeting call also. has. Well, that he, ability. he can traverse through multiverses. So <laughs> we really don't we really don't know. Right. Okay. Um, um, but. You know, the, the, the history of the comics of The Flash, you know, refers to a reverse Flash. Mm -hmm. And he wants to destroy all speedsters mm -hmm. so that he can be, you know, the one speedster to rule them all, presumably. And what I found was um, after a while, it felt like these multiverses became convenient became like almost like safety nets, you know, for the storytellers 
to be able to just, you know, explain Mm -hmm. without explaining anything to the audience that, oh, yeah, there's another there's another earth. Mm. You know, there's another earth with the same characters, but they're having these different these alternate experiences, you know, in the comics, there was a comic series, um, maybe I don't know, 10, 12 years ago or so. That was a, a, a flashpoint series. Yeah. And the, yeah. and the flashpoint is the splitting of time that Barry Allen and other speedsters can do to create new narratives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at any point in the story, the story can split and now we can manage the same concept of Earth, these same characters, but different stuff can switch up. You know, an right. example of Flashpoint would be where, you know, there is a Batman, but it's actually Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's father, mm-hmm. who became Batman because Bruce Wayne actually was the one who died. Mm-hmm. You know, and Thomas Wayne's wife, Martha, ultimately becomes the Joker because she never got over the death of her right. son Bruce. It's like, you know, and and it's like, okay, we just need to accept that. Right. And why? Well, because there's a multiverse. Mm-hmm. And Barry Allen is the one that knows all these multiverses exist, you know, but we don't necessarily know, you know, who manages these multiverses. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, that's that's the that's the origin of the problems that I have with these multiverses is because it just seems to me that it gives, it gives, you know, creators a way to just create narratives when it's most convenient Mm -hmm. and the audience just needs to accept them because, Oh yeah, there's a multiverse. Mm -hmm. Do you, uh, so looking at, cause, cause I think what you're describing and full disclosure there are some some of what you said because um, I obviously I'm much more um, accepting and almost in, in some in- instances actually um, I embrace the multiverse um, mm-hmm. and obviously you don't do that so but full disclosure there's some things that you said and some things I think you're going to say that I 100% agree with um, one of those things and I'll, I'll modify it a little bit but one of those things being that I do think the multiverse can at times, it's almost like the force. The multiverse is like the force and mm-hmm, one person's mm-hmm. hands. It can be this great, you know, wonderful, liberating thing. Mm-hmm. And another storyteller's hands is evil. You know what I'm saying? And it's almost mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. to you, to use, uh, to, uh, to your point that you made a minute ago, it's almost like an out, you know, like, a we can do whatever we want over here because it doesn't really matter because it's not the, as they say in a uh, Loki, it's not the sacred timeline. So if I right. branch off from the sacred timeline, I can have this incredibly crazy story where Martha Wayne is the Joker, but I can, I can do that because it's not the sacred timeline. And that's both a good and a bad because it almost opens up the door for those what if possibilities, you know, like Marvel's whole what if, you know, it, bring, it, it brings up the what if this. Well, we can explore that in a good way because we can go off into another universe, you know, and not mm-hmm. mess with the main universe. Mm-hmm. But again, to your point, I've seen a lot of annoying storytelling, you know, over the decades in comics where because of the multiverse existed, 
it was like, we can just do this crazy story. And it's like, yeah, but do we really want to, do you need to do that story? You know, that story is not really interesting and the stakes don't really matter because I know it's not, it's, it doesn't affect everything happening in the main, you know, in the sacred timeline. So that was one of the things I agree with you. But let me ask you this though, really quickly. Can you think of any, cause you know, according to our breakdown, I'm going to ask you the opposite question in a minute, but just let me ask you this one first. Can you think of any instance where a multiverse story, like you really enjoyed it, like the, a story that only exists because of the, the multiverse concept, but it's one is it ended up being a story that you're glad they were able to tell. Can you think of any examples of that? Um, funny. I anticipated this question, um, <laughs> because, uh, uh, I kind of felt that, that the way that I got it got into, you know, zoom and some of the storylines of the CW flash, mm. you know, gave some examples of poor use of the multiverse concept, but yeah, I do. You know, I, I actually appreciate that a multiverse can give a storyteller an opportunity to examine a thing or an event in an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Octavia Butler did it best. Mm-hmm. The science fiction writer Octavia Butler did it best in uh, the late 70s with her novel Kindred, mm-hmm. which is a story about a young black woman in Los Angeles in 1976, I think, who somehow finds herself being transported between her current reality in Los Angeles in the mid seventies to the antebellum South Mm -hmm. where she's enslaved among her ancestors, both her African ancestors and her white slave owners who, who basically, you know, are rapists who down the line created her Mm -hmm. over generations, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, you know, and, and you would not be able to tell a story like that about how a character needs to manage this very difficult scenario, mm-hmm. but in order to survive, she needs to manage certain things, uh, but has the knowledge of making sure, or at least knowing that certain people can't die or she can't exist mm-hmm. in the future, mm-hmm. you know, um, that can be very instructional. Mm-hmm. That can be very, very, uh, um, uh, I want to sound cliche, but, you know, very enlightening to be able to have a conversation in a book that, you know, people in reality still can't have right. in so 2021 it's, it's directly only made possible because, of but it's only made possible yeah. because of this, because of this multiverse, because so, we're not talking about tra- time travel necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about alternate reality. So, and we'll, that's, that's something I want to come back to in a minute, but just, just, to throw this in. So those the, I can definitely say that's a great answer too. as a, that's one of the positives or one of, you know, one of the positive experiences you had because mm-hmm. of the multiverse concept, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the whole DC thing is obviously a very negative for you. Like that's, that's the multiverse, um, in the hands of, uh, Palpatine, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's, yeah, that's the that, other that's, side of the force basically. Yeah. And I mean, that's, a, that's, that's a heavy handed way to put it, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it, it, it just think about it here you have here you have marvel comics you know who've been doing this for like 20 years almost mm-hmm. you know and being able to take these comic book narratives you know and tell this story and you know due to well let's just let's just say you know maybe due to licensing conflicts or whatever they needed to basically scope this within the avengers 
universe in the Avengers group of characters. Right. Okay, great. They've had, you know, upteen successes over that, even some surprise successes like Black Panther. Mm-hmm. DC, they got they got two near bulletproof properties, one being Superman, the other being Batman. You know, and arguably I think Batman is 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 really the one that that, you know, that 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 Batman's definitely the one that gets me to the theater. You mm-hmm. know, but Superman will too. But what I'm what I'm getting to is, hey, we want to have this kind of success too with our characters. Mm-hmm. How can we do that? You know, and they've taken the multi the multi uh platform approach. They've done it with film and they've done it with television. Um, but they, they, you know, they went, uh, they went kind of all in on television right. where Marvel has historically sort of dipped their toe. And now they're kind of going all in on television with the, through the Disney plus, mm-hmm. uh, shows, um, you know, and then DC found out, well, it, it wasn't working for them. Mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman wasn't getting people to the theater. Uh, justice league was a flop. So much so that they had to resurrect this four hour justice league that, I haven't seen, but you tell me I can't understand it. <laughs> right. So let's just go all in on this multiverse mm-hmm. because, you know, we've got some comic book narrative and it's a great way for us to just, you know, basically tell the audience, well, this isn't in the, in the, you know, canon timeline. It's an alternate universe timeline. Mm-hmm. So let, let me, let me, at this point, let me interject some, multiverse positivity for the sake of the the rest of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll say this. I don't want to let Marvel off the hook here because when it comes to the comic books, Marvel has been as much or sometimes more multiverse heavy than DC comics. You know, they, Mm -hmm. they both are, you know, it's to the point where again, just, you know, where I think you and I agree at is that on one hand, it does become an out for the narratives from the, for the writers even when there are positives because it's like, Hey, this story would have never been able to be told were we not, you know, dealing with a multiverse, the whole, what, what if, you know, comic book series from the eighties was one of the things I mm-hmm. loved because, you know, just, it was just like all these incredible scenarios that were like close ended, close ended within this book, this one issue mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that you got to explore. And then, you know, it didn't affect the, the main timeline um, or the main universe. Um, but Marvel has been, it, it, the problem is the complexity for me. A lot of times it gets so complex, mm-hmm. um, where you have, okay, this timeline is versus this timeline and then, da, 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 da. and it's like, I'm, you know, because time traveling, you know, all these things, we don't know if any of this exists, the theories of the multiverse, we don't know if they really exist, all these things, it becomes like a, um, a, just a, an, an endless head scratcher, you know, in the wrong hands. Now in the right hands, I think it can be very interesting, but just one note of positivity for multiverse, um, storytelling for me, the, the fascination with it for me is that just the theory or the idea, and this is not just within, um, comics or fantasy or science fiction. There's actually theories and, you know, branches of science dedicated Mm -hmm. to this, Mm -hmm. but the idea that every choice we make, creates a new possibility, you know, a new timeline, a new, a new reality, you know, Mm -hmm. um, if I, you know, instead of going downtown today, if I instead stay home, you know, one part of me, another part of me made the decision to go downtown and that branched off into a different, you know, reality. So there are the infinite number of worlds out there, an infinite number of multiverse universes based on all of our decision-making 
that's fascinating to me. That's always been fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, the other, the other thing that makes it interesting to me, I was first introduced to the multiverse, not by comics, but by Michael Moorcock, um, a, a British writer who created the Elric series and created the, um, uh, the eternal champion. Basically it's this whole, um, idea that there's, you know, all of these eternal champions throughout these multiverses, they're basically the same person, but just a different, uh, different, a variant, a variant, as they say in the Loki series, a variant of this eternal champion. And mm -hmm. they all have their own, they exist in these different universes. That's how I was introduced to the multiverse concept. And this is in, you know, he was, Moorcock was writing this in the sixties and seventies. You know, he, he's one of the pioneers of this type of storytelling. And that was it, it was handled so perfectly within his writing um it was hugely influential to me as a writer but then it was also just from a reading standpoint i was just i couldn't get enough of it um so that was my introduction into it so i was much more uh amenable to it when i encountered it within the comics you know in the 80s mm -hmm. um through mm -hmm. the marvel and dc comics so i guess that's you know for me it's always had a positive but again just bringing it back because this is arthur versus the multiverse bringing it back to your point of view, there's surprisingly, there's a lot that you, the issues that you have, I can kind of relate to because I feel like, yeah, in mm -hmm. the wrong hands, yeah. this yeah. becomes out now really quickly before we move to the next question I have for you, DC, the, 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 um, DC universe on television, particularly on the CW. Yeah. Um, there's, it's been a lot of, there's some faults to it because, you know, you've outlined some of the faults. I will say though, it has opened the, the doorway for some very interesting storytelling. When you get a moment and we'll, maybe we'll do another show on it, but when you get a moment, peep Lois, or I think it's Superman and Lois is a series mm -hmm. that came out last year. Um, mm -hmm. a television series, obviously focusing on, um, Superman and Lois Lane and you know, they're two kids. I think you saw, I, I can't, did you tell me you saw the first episode of that or you just told me you're mm -hmm. aware of it? Okay. No, so I, I saw, I saw the first three or four episodes of it. Um, and it's probably, mm, probably the best Superman series that I've seen since, um, I don't know, first couple seasons of Smallville, maybe, um, mm. you know, it was, it's just, it was very well written, very well handled. Um, I'm going to go back and watch the rest of it, but it was, it, it was only made possible because they don't have to adhere to saying, okay, there's only one Superman in the DCEU. Um, right. he's, you know, um, he's my man, Henry Cavall and he shows up in films and if there's a, we, we not bring him to television and doing a different iteration. No, 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 no. They were able to do it because they're not, they're not adhering to those type of rules. They have different timelines, different universes, whatever. And it's just like, yeah, we got multiple flashes, multiple Superman. And then this version, Superman is married to Lois and they got two teenage kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it was interesting, but okay. I got another question for you. You brought it up before you talked about, we're not just talking about time travel. We're talking about the multiverse. So we don't want to get too sciencey, you know, and distinguishing yeah. these two things. Yeah. But let me just ask you why you don't seem to have a problem with time travel, but you do mm -hmm. have a problem with the multiverse. Why is that? Well, cause, I mean, inherently, at least the way I look at it, you know, inherently like time travel implies that the traveling is done within the same reality. Mm -hmm. Multiverse implies that I can bounce around different realities. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever. So they're, they're, yeah. So, you know, they're in effect two different things. It can get very confusing very easily. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the position where I have to tolerate the multiverse if I want to continue to 
you know, uh, you know, enjoy these stories. And that brings me to the final question of this of round one of Arthur, Arthur versus the multiverse. What is, is this, and I think you just kind of answered it is the, you know, because the multiverse is pretty much like 80% of this first episode of Loki. So is that going to inhibit any of your enjoyment of this series moving forward? Or are you, like you said, are you just going to open your arms wide, say, fuck it, I'm just going to embrace, you know, this whole multiverse thing so I can enjoy this series. Which one, which what's your choice? Well, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm all in with Loki. Mm -hmm. It's like, sign me up for the TVA because I I want to hold on to the sacred timeline. I don't want all (laughs) these variances. You you Mobius. You like, you try. Okay. So TVA is your thing. Okay. I get it. I see it now. You got the t-shirt coming, the mug. You want (laughs) to, you want to join up. You want to sign up, right? You want that stick that like disintegrates people. (laughs) Right, right, right. Right. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think that, I think that, the the idea of holding just like what the ancient one was talking to Bruce Banner about mm-hmm. in Endgame, it's like okay, you've come from the from the future, mm-hmm. you know, to get a time stone so that you can change the course, you know, of reality. And the only reason that she gives up the time stone is because David Banner reveals that. Oh, wait a minute, Doctor Strange. Why did why did he do this? Why did he give the time stone to Thanos then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, that changed everything. Cause he, cause strange is the wisest of us all. Mm-hmm. He had a you reason. Know? Right. By the way, I and love maybe the fact we'll that get into that. Him, I love the fact that you just called him David Banner instead of Bruce Banner. That was, a, Oh man, I see that was getting a Freudian slip, but it was a multiverse slip because in another multi, in another universe, he was David. Banner it was, because of it was TV rights. <laughs> but yeah, he tells, she tells Bruce Banner that, yo, strange is the wisest of us all. So if he did this, then I need to give you this because that's part of what his plan is. And I need Mm -hmm. to make sure that that is seen through. So I think that the multiverse can be managed because that's really what we're talking about. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to really do all of this, well, how are you going to manage it Mm -hmm. so that the viewer doesn't get confused? I mean, I don't want to just have to accept that. I mean, okay. And, and look, I'll be, I'll be really generous in saying that I acknowledge that the CW series, Superwoman, Arrow, Flash, Black Lightning, you know, it's for, it's for a certain type of viewer. And I don't mean that in derogatory or snobbish or any kind of way, but it's like, it's just, it's just angled for a certain audience, right? you know, so there's going to be some romance. There's going to be some, you know, he said, she said backbiting, you know, there's just going to be this element that draws you in further you know, into the story. Um, even with that, <laughs> you know, it's like, there's a situ there can, there's a situation in the flash where, you know, and I was talking about the character from like earth 17, you know, mm-hmm. who comes to base, who presumably earth one, mm-hmm. you know, and has this relationship with Cisco, who's part of Barry Allen's team. Her father doesn't like Cisco. So like, there's this, boyfriend dad thing that goes on you know and and it has its moments and it's kind of comical you know because her dad is like this heavy hitter on earth 17 and all that you know Mm -hmm. but it's just like i just have to accept that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why well because there's 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 earth 17 there's earth 22 there's earth a thousand there's earth 45 and it's like but it's like why it's like why why is there a multiverse why do we need right but with the tva involved 
with Loki, your team TVA, because you need all this stuff managed. You want it to all be. They, it Marvel effectively contextualizes it mm-hmm. with there's an organization who's running the whole show. Right. <laughs> don't worry. We got this. Right. right. In fact, not even don't even worry, because generally speaking, you wouldn't even you and I wouldn't even know about it. Right. Loki doesn't know about it. And Loki's an Asgardian who's been around for a thousand years and he didn't know about him. So but and I think that in the beginning of Loki of the episode of episode one, um, you know, Loki brings up the fact that the Avengers, he's like, why are you after me? These cats violate violated the timeline. Evidently, they violated the whole multiverse rule because they've been traveling back and forth in time trying to get these infinity stones like loki peeps that out because he says you know there mm-hmm. were two tony starks there you know he which he was a great that. point yeah he smelled because yeah. he smelled two tony starks he's like you know i know the clone i smelled two of them and but mobius mm-hmm. responds back he said that was supposed to happen he's like what the avenger or, no i don't know if it's mm-hmm. mobius it might have been it was uh the judge um i think she was the one that pointed out that was supposed to happen so there is yeah. to your point there's a regulation going on where it's like yeah all these events are playing out the way they're supposed to be. But I think Arthur, and this is the last point I'll make. I think though, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of with you. You kind of swayed me to your side a little bit more. I'm kind of with you, but <laughs> I got to say though, me, I guess this may be just a personality thing. Cause regulation rules, that kind of order that the TVA represents that turns me off a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I kind of, I felt low well, in that scene where he was like, and it was, it, you know what? It was almost reminiscent of Wrecker from Bad Batch. Remember when Wrecker, when and Tech is telling Wrecker, like, you know, have you ever thought about the fact that, you know, you like to blow shit up because that's how you program. That's what you're, and Wrecker's like, no, I like to blow shit up because I like to blow shit. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I'm uh-huh. an individual. Uh-huh. Loki in this episode, Loki is like, I choose my own path. And mm-hmm. Mobius is like, sure you do. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And that for me and i think as well as for loki and for wrecker it's like i don't like that you know what I'm saying that lack of choice that mm-hmm. bothers me a little bit you know what i'm saying so that kind of regulation that the tva represents that's problematic mm-hmm. for me well that's the whole choice is the axis that the entire matrix series uh, mm-hmm. uh tilts on right and i don't have a problem with that being introduced um in Loki, because I, I believe you need choice in order to make a multiverse narrative work. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did like the courtroom scene with uh, Gugu Mbatha Ra as Ravana Renslayer, and mm-hmm. I think I think with 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 her being in the series, we're going to see more of her. Hopefully, um, and. <laughs> and <laughs> I think hopefully, you know, all jokes aside, I mean, you know, big fan, but hopefully yeah. she's going to be more in this and we're going to see her in um, uh, Dr. Strange's Multiverse of Madness, hopefully mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be interesting uh, whether or not, I mean, if she is a judge or if she needed to be in that role based upon her based on her position in the in the TVA, mm-hmm. uh, how that's going to play out, because she gave I mean, she was basically breaking down Loki like, mm-hmm. well, no. It's yeah. supposed to happen. Right. That's you supposed know? to happen. You don't have a choice. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. I know. And I, I'm glad you, it may like your whole position makes more sense to me now, as far as like you being team TVA. Like I get that completely now. Like I can see you, I can see you work. I can see you as Mobius. Like you, I could see you in that position. Mm-hmm. But I also say I'm, 
and we'll we'll see in six episodes but i kind of predict like this season may end with the tva itself not being in the position of power that it's in now you know i can see something happening where it's like you yourselves are not as powerful as you think you are. You know, the, the green space mm-hmm. lizard or the three space lizards, as Loki calls them, that started the TVA. One yeah. of whom is probably, I think, Kang or whatever the uh, the time dude. I could see them, you know, something happening that they discover through this adventure that Loki and Mobius are going to go on. Where it's like, you're not as secure as you think, you know, and there's, there's going to be an issue there. Um, but we'll see. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed round one of Arthur versus the multiverse. And I look forward <laughs> to round two. I understand, like I said, I understand your position more. It's much more interesting to me now. I think in the next round, maybe we'll get into some of the scientific principles um, outside of just the comics and outside of just, you know, the MCU and the DCEU and really look at this from a little bit more of a scientific um, perspective. Uh, and, and dive into that side and see, you know, what kind of arguments we can get into um, with that. But I, I've enjoyed this. So thank you. I, I get I get your point of view a little bit more, brother. And I, I like I said, I can visualize you with with Mobius in, uh at the TVA. That makes perfect sense to me. Well, that would be a wrap with episode 39 of Mad Unreal. This is Arthur. That is Isaac. Uh, we want to hear back from you on Twitter. You can reach out to both of us using the hashtag Mad Unreal. Uh, what do you think about episode seven of The Bad Batch? Uh, what do you think about first episode of Loki? And am I insane? Should I just, you know, be quiet and stop worrying and love the multiverse? If it makes you feel any better, a lot of people online are scratching their heads at, you know, some of the videos I've seen. Uh-huh. You know, on YouTube videos, people are, you know, the multiverse can be a very confusing thing. So it is, you know, it is kind of a head scratcher. But, um, yeah, I think you might have a lot of more people, you know, in your TVA zone um, than you imagine. This is Mad Unreal. See you next episode. Keep it unreal. Peace. Peace.